Hey everyone, it's Aaron. So my next guest is David Wolf, and he was founder of a really cool mattress company called Lisa. They were one of the first, let's say, OG kind of bed in a box companies. And they used to be a client of ours. And truth be told, David was really one of the main inspirations behind this podcast. And our work for Lisa and with David has been amazing over the years. We no longer work with them, but he'll always remain a true and great friend of mine. And this is actually the second podcast I recorded. And uh, I was told that you should always record your first podcast with someone you really know very well because it's a little bit easier. So here's the second one. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoy my relationship with David and the inspiration he's given me and our agency to be more purpose-driven. Enjoy listening. Welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful purpose-driven companies and organizations. I am incredibly excited to welcome my guest today, David Wolf. He's a British-born entrepreneur known for co-founding and serving as board chair of Lisa Sleep. Full disclosure, Lisa Sleep was a client of mine for some time, and David probably doesn't know this, but he also is in some ways responsible for the inspiration behind this podcast and also the inspiration behind my own efforts towards making our agency more purpose-driven and also leading a more purpose-driven life. So it's very rare that you get to work with a client or a brand that gives you as much value and gives back to you as much value and inspiration as you give to them because they're hiring you to provide them a service. And David is one of those few people over the course of my 30 years that I've had the pleasure of being able to learn from. And even though our relationship is only a few years old, I do consider David a mentor and someone I look up to. And his company, Lisa Sleep, is a certified B Corporation. We'll talk a little bit about what that means and what that is. David lives in Virginia Beach. The company's headquartered in Virginia Beach, but provides mattresses. And this is, I hate it when people say this, but it's the most logical way to explain this phenomenon of a bed-in-the-box company. But ultimately, Lisa Sleep is a direct-to-consumer online mattress company. You can find them online. You can also find them in West Elm. David has a career that spans everything from consulting. He's a serial entrepreneur, an investor, He's worked in B2C companies before co-founding Lisa Sleep with Jamie Diamondstein in 2014. And I'm sure he's working on some other things he may or may not tell us about as well, because I don't think David is a very restless individual and he's got an idea a minute. I know this about him. And he also recently in 2018 was named as EY for Entrepreneur of the Year by EY. Welcome, David Wolf, to Brand on Purpose. And I apologize if I made you blush in that intro. Well, thank you for having me, Aaron. And uh, I don't know whether you made me blush or not, but I can say that it's very much a mutual feeling of respect and what you're trying to do and what we're trying to do. And I also think it's worth mentioning that life is great when you constantly feel like you get back way more than you give. And I think that's one of the real benefits of building a company that's driven by passion and mission that you often find yourself in that situation. So I'm happy that you feel that way about our relationship, but I assure you it's mutual. I appreciate that. Let's start by just talking a little bit about what inspired you and Jamie to create Lisa Sleep and why mattresses? So many things you can create. Why mattresses? I think inspiration is an interesting word because I think sometimes you don't actually realize that you've been inspired to do something or to take certain action until after you've done it. I think we're driven by passion and serendipity and so on. And so in this particular case, I've always been passionate about disruptive businesses. And I was actually looking for opportunities back in late 2013 
to really put my work and my team's work to the test again and build a new company. So we were out looking for opportunity. And I had actually had some success with betting-related products back in 2004, 2005, and had built some relationships. And I was out one evening, and I bumped into Jamie in a restaurant and really walked up to him and just talked to him about whether the time might be right to really go in and try and heavily disrupt the mattress industry, which was interesting to me. I'd had a really awful experience buying a mattress for my daughter when she moved to New York City, going into a traditional store and realized just how bad it was and also understood the margins and and also the demand and the size of the market. So it was a sort of serendipitous meeting between Jamie, who'd been in the industry for many, many years, and myself, who dabbled in the industry but was passionate at building new businesses and disruptive businesses. And that conversation just continued into 2014. We worked on the project together and eventually launched right at the end of 2014. And how did you know that Jamie was Mr. Mattress? How did you know that was his background? Had you been introduced in a earlier or in another setting? Or how did you know that to talk to him? Many years before, when I was actually looking for bedding product, I was actually selling sheet sets through a prior company, selling them online and by phone and advertising nationally and and also in local markets as well. And when I did that, I looked for additional products relating to sleep and sold memory foam mattress toppers. And it was Jamie who I knew through my community, really. It was Jamie who back then had introduced me to the supplier, who's still our supplier to this day, actually. And so I knew him and I bumped into him over the years and had constantly had in the back of my mind this idea of, could we get into the mattress industry going to direct-to-consumer? That was my background. I've been in direct-to-consumer business since I moved to the U.S. 25 years ago. And I'm always looking for new opportunity and new ideas to build new businesses. So, yes, I knew him through the community and I knew him through, through the business itself as well from some years before. It's probably worth reminding our listeners as well that when you came up with this idea and this is pre-launch in 2014, there were maybe a handful of online mattress companies in the market versus hundreds of them today. So you were really at the very, very forefront at the tip of this burgeoning industry. Yeah, I think that's true. I think part of that is kind of form and what we now understand. I think the real point is that five years ago, nobody knew what brand of mattress or very few people knew what brand of mattresses they were sleeping on. Three years from now, we will have been through a full eight-year cycle of people replacing their mattresses. And my belief is, and has always been, that if we do our job right, three years from now, people will know the brand of mattress they sleep on. So part of this was really bringing the importance of the mattress and sleep to the forefront of the consumer's mind as they make their purchase. Part of it was form. How are we going to deliver it? And that really, we were not pioneers. There was a company that had been doing it for several years, and there was one other competitor out there. But the big ones that we know of today that we're aware of were actually not in the market when we started. And so we were definitely pioneers and we were pioneers at the way that we deliver mattresses, the quality of the mattress that we actually ship direct to consumers in a box. And I think also the idea of building a brand that people can connect with, a values-driven brand, if you like, that people can connect with. And I think that that's really the great segue into why we built the company the way we did and why we're mission-driven and we're for purpose as much as we are for profit. And that really comes from who we are and who the people are that built this business. So to be clear, purpose was 
a goal, being mission-driven and values-driven from the top was a goal from day one. Oh, absolutely. I've always said to people that my whole life I've tried to ensure that I get a balance between both work and family, as well as working for material things for myself and caring about the world that we live in and also helping people and particularly kind of helping others has always been a key theme in my life, driven by my parents in many ways, but something that always been important. And when you start a company in your 50s, when you've got most of the things that you need in the world, you just have a different perspective. And I said from the outset to Jamie that if we're going to build a business, we're going to make a difference as well. And so from day one, we've been donating one mattress for every 10 we sell. And Jamie said, well, shouldn't we wait? And I'm like, no, I think that's a very old fashioned way to think about life. You wait until you're successful to give back. And I've always hated the term give back. I think that you can build a business and be thinking about others and working for your community and to help as you build your business, as long as you set the structure up right and you set your values right and build the kind of processes and, and ideas and passion and vision into the business and recruit the right people. I also found it kind of interesting instead of leaning into this, I think, over-communicated narrative around how to improve your sleep and the tips and tricks and things like that, because there's a lot of that in the market. While you touched on that in your narrative for the brand, you really focused more so on things like bedlessness and homelessness. It became very much part of the brand. I still feel like it is part of the brand today. Can you talk a little bit about any sort of tension or how you made that part of the narrative and how you made that very genuine as opposed to just sounding like marketing, like a lot of companies and a lot of brands do, because it's tricky. You have a very skeptical audience. I believe that people buy from good companies, not just good products. So being able to navigate the tension between profit and purpose and be genuine about it, can you talk a little bit about how you approach that and the challenges that you faced? At the heart of it all, if you want to try and make a difference, I think connecting your mission to your product is really important. And so mattresses are our currency and everybody needs a place where they can rest their head at night. And there are just a lot of people out there that don't have a comfortable place to sleep at night. Their, their idea of what a bed means to them is very different from what someone who is living in relative comfort might think about a bed. And so to some extent, it was relatively easy to work out what problem we wanted to sort of address. And that was providing mattresses to people and to places and to organizations who needed them to help alleviate pain in some way. And then that pain can come from poverty. It can come from emotional stress. It can come from being at risk, particularly amongst women and children. And so that part of it was easy. The harder part to answer is, so how do you do that and how do you make a difference? And what we said from the start was two things. Number one, we're going to give with humility so that people can accept with dignity. So we weren't going to fly our flag. We weren't going to fly it. We were going to be proud of what we did. And we were going to feel good about what we do, but we were not going to make it the thing. So we sell mattresses to people who pay for them. But what we're able to do as a result is to share some of that and to provide mattresses to people who need them. How that relates to homelessness and bedlessness is fairly obvious in a way, because those are the idea of bedlessness is just where beds are needed. And homelessness is a problem that we're all aware of. But we didn't really talk about too much about what we were going to do. We just got on and did it. And in the end, once we had had an impact, we've now donated 
more than 33,000 mattresses since we started. Once we had an impact, I think it was then our job and really our responsibility to work out how to articulate that, to tell the stories in ways that will help the company grow. And there we're focused very much on the impact that these donations have had on families. And that's directly donating mattresses to children to help them stay with their families because a bed is so important. It's also giving mattresses to adults who are trying to turn their lives around so they can get back with their families. So the short answer is that we didn't telegraph it up front. We just got on with it. And I think that that was what made it real. And by the way, I love the word real and I love the word to some extent genuine, but I don't really like the word authentic because authentic implies that maybe you got to prove that it's real. But what we've done has been real from day one. And we're only just starting to tell our story. I think you're unusual in having so much awareness of our mission. And it's our job, I think, as a brand and a company now to tell that story more powerfully, more strongly, so we can build our business, sell more mattresses and ultimately help more people. And because your mission literally is baked into your business and your business model and your values underpin everything you do, how hard or was it hard to then use that as a filter to vet employees, partners, retailers, manufacturers? How hard was that? How do you know that who you're partnering with shares those same values? Well, I think that maybe I'm wrong, but I'm an incredibly trusting person and I trust that people are basically good. So I think on an individual level, most people that we talk to really do care. And so it filters itself in a way because everybody can be somewhat inspired, hopefully, by what we do, whether they're partners of ours, retailers that we choose to work with, like West Elm, people that come and work for the company. But ultimately, they filter themselves out because you have to believe in the cause. You have to get involved with it when you join Lisa or when you partner with us. So I think in many ways, it's not as difficult as it sounds. And I often ask people when they're joining the company a couple of questions. One of them is, I say, what was the first time you saw social injustice in your life? How did it make you feel and what did you do about it? And a second question I ask is, who inspires you? And I think by asking those two questions, you really get a sense of people's own personal humility and also the realness, if that's a word, of the values that they hold and their desire and their passion to basically live through those values. And then it becomes self-selecting. So I love that. In fact, I'm rethinking questions I ask people even when I interview them. So just turning it back on you, how do you answer those two questions? So the question of the first time I saw social injustice, I was introduced to it very early on. My mother is an activist in the UK and I was dragged along as a child in pursuit of many, many, many missions that my mother was on and continues to be on, even into her 80s today. Obviously helps answer the question, who inspires me, both my parents and my grandparents, who were all in their way activists. From a business sense, my father and my grandfather on my father's side, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. My dad was more of an industrialist working in sort of corporate UK, highly, highly influenced by them from a business perspective. And then I guess my mother's route in terms of inspiration from the idea of having an impact on the world socially. In terms of seeing social injustice, I think the most meaningful experience I had was when I moved to the States. And early on, I visited a community in Michigan, and I went there for a reason which was actually 
partly building my business. But I came away absolutely changed. I came face to face with poverty that I didn't know existed in America. I had this idealistic view of America. I moved here for the American dream. I thought everyone was comfortable here. And I saw extreme poverty and I went into a school system where many of the kids' parents, there were parents that had been killed in violence acts in the community. There were people whose parents were in jail. And these were innocent young children who really were not just getting the start that you deserve in a country like America. And having seen that kind of life and what was right here on our doorstep, it shocked me to the core. And I think ultimately, when I had a chance later on to do something about things that were happening right here on our doorstep in our own backyard, that was impactful for me. And then I've also had the good fortune to travel the world and help with organizations that are on missions to make a difference in some of the poorest parts of the world. And so I've had a very charmed life in many ways, a very privileged life. And part of that privilege has allowed me to experience and see extreme poverty and just how far we have to go as a world and as a community to right some of the wrongs that have really occurred just through history. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a few seconds. Obviously, you're not alone in seeing and acting on these things and being an activist. There are other companies as well that I'm sure have inspired you along the way, both large as well as startups. What other companies should we be looking at? Should we be following that you think holds similar values, albeit potentially focusing on different issues? I think there's some big companies that we're all aware that are trying to make a huge difference in the world. And some of the largest ones, like Unilever, for example, is a company I admire greatly because they are a huge company that right from the very top are really trying to make sure that the businesses that they're involved in and particularly the businesses that they're growing have a positive impact on the world, or at least they cut out the negative impact that they may have. And I think in that sense, sustainability is key and the environment is key. And Patagonia obviously comes to mind. They're a company that really live their mission and use their power and their success to make a difference. And I think that's one of the things that we have to remember. Everything has to come together. You can start a small company and make a small difference. And if you have the great fortune to see your company grow substantially and become a big company, as long as you built it into your DNA, you're simply going to have a bigger difference. I like to look at small companies. And the one I saw most recently is a company called Able, based in Nashville. And this is a real shout out for them because they are an extraordinary small company. All of their products, apparel and fashion goods and bags and jewelry is handmade by women that in many ways are compromised women in situations where they wouldn't maybe otherwise have a job in this country, in Ethiopia, in Peru, and now in India as well. And these are women who work hard and come and have helped build this company, and they are paid a living wage. And that's the difference that Abel is trying to make, not just employing women around the world, but also making sure that they're paid. And their goal is to try and get apparel companies like them to publish how much they pay their employees. And in that way, it forces people to pay an appropriate wage because in the apparel industry, it's remarkable how many women are employed. And I think it's some incredible statistic, which is well over 90% are really underpaid for the work that they do relative to men and relative to what their needs are. And so, plus they've got incredible products and there are many, many women involved in the running of the company as well. So I'd say lately that's been one that I, I really look to, but there are many, many companies. And I think you look at the people within the companies as well that are really trying hard to make a difference. 
That is interesting because there's a lot of attention that's paid to gender pay gap and disparity and inequality in financial services and in technology and other industries, but you don't hear as much about the apparel industry. So hopefully I'll be able to have Abel on as well. So real quick, can you talk a little bit about what it takes to become a B Corp and how important is it to be a B Corp if you're going to be a mission-driven, purpose-driven, values-driven brand? So I think B Corp helps with one important thing around being a mission-driven company, a mission-driven brand, and that is measurement. I think ultimately it's much easier for outsiders to come in and say what you're doing is good and what you're doing is making a difference than it is to sort of say that yourself. It comes back in some ways to the humility, but not just the humility, but also to this idea of it being real. So B Corps and B Labs, they run the organization and run the testing. It's an accreditation process that's very, very tough. Looks at all aspects of your business in terms of social good in many ways, sustainability, as well as things like your giving program and what you do in the community and where you're located and who you employ. All those things become important. It's a score-based, a numbers-based accreditation program. Very, very tough, very, very stringent, very, very sort of accurate in measuring how you're doing. What it allows you to do is to then be recognized for what you do and to join together with other companies. And together, we genuinely believe that we can be a force for good in the world through business. And that's what it is. So it's an accreditation. It's also a sort of network. It's a grouping together of like-minded people and like-minded companies. And I think it's going to grow and grow in importance. I feel like Lisa Sleep was probably one of the first accredited B Corps because you did it pretty early on. I think we were certainly around 1500, but I think what was different about us is that we were a very, very early stage company and we didn't have to make any changes in order to get our accreditation. I actually heard somebody from Virgin Unite actually talking about it and saying that it would be great if companies could be born B. And I thought, well, I think we were born B and we looked into it. We found out about it. We went through the accreditation and just based on what we were doing when we were very, very early in our life, we got the accreditation and we just got reaccredited with a much higher score. So it's great to see that we've improved dramatically in the last two years. Congratulations on that, of course. And so off air, we talked a little bit about what it takes to actually build a purpose-driven brand. And one of the things you said to me, which might even have to change the title of the podcast, is that it's not enough to just be purpose-driven. You have to be values-driven. And you kind of rattled off a couple of things that I thought were quite interesting. If, if you'd like to share some of that wisdom, if you could talk a little bit about that. And I always think about people say, oh, Zappos is a purpose-driven brand. I'm like, no, their purpose is to sell shoes. And they're really, really good at customer service, just like L.L. Bean. But it doesn't mean they're purpose-driven brands. I think that many companies are purpose-driven. Your purpose can be anything. Your purpose can be to provide an extraordinary experience, entertainment experience to people. In that, I would include, you could think of many of the brands like a Walt Disney and others that are very, very successful in being purpose-driven. And they're good companies too. But I think mission-driven is really different. Mission is you've got a specific thing where you're trying to make a difference in the world. You build that into the DNA of your company and you do it because you really believe, you really care. And it directly relates to what you do for business, for profit, and to the people who work with you. So I always try and say, are there 
conclusions? Are there ways that you can take what we've learned and apply it in other places? And I think that there are a few things. I think one is this has to be led from the top. In my opinion, whoever is running, if you like, the operational side of your social impact work needs to report to the CEO or someone very, very senior who can actually ensure that this happens irregardless of what's happening in your business today or next week or next month. This is something that has to live in the long term and has to be key and has to impact all the stakeholders in your business. And I think I've already said building it into the DNA from the beginning, not waiting until you're profitable, until you're successful. I think employee engagement is absolutely critical. I think employees need to get involved. They need to share the passion and they need to understand and actually enjoy making a difference. The cause has to be relevant to your product. That's another one that I think is important. I think you have to embed it. You have to give the program a name so that people can identify with it and talk about it. In our case, we call the program our 110 program. We give one mattress for every 10 we sell. Uh, That makes it easy to talk about and easy to explain. I think that giving of corporate time is important. So we have a percentage of everybody's time, which is for them to give back to the community, to give to the community that they they live in. I use the term, I don't like give back, but to build giving into their lives. And so we give time and we allow people to either use that time on their own or to use it in corporately organized events in the community. I think one of the things you picked on earlier, which is important, which is amplifying through partnership. The companies that we work with and our partners in business share our values and embrace them and they get involved with us in our mission as we do in their mission. So I think that's important too. Another thing you touched on is measuring the impact. I think measuring the impact is absolutely critical. What you do and you consistently do it and you measure your ongoing performance and then tell stories, share it, build it into people's lives, tell your story and help it live and breathe and become something that is just part of your life. So I just have to ask, because, and I alluded to this a little bit earlier, I know that you're kind of a restless guy with like an idea a minute. Any idea what we can expect from you in the future? I have an idea. I'm not sure I'm ready to share it yet. I'm always thinking, I think first and foremost, it's to continue to help from the vantage point of being chairman of the company and also responsible for our growth with our retail partnerships and international, where I'm focusing on the growth areas of the business. I think so one is to see Lisa continue to grow and be successful and continue to make a difference. That's absolutely critical in what I'm doing. Helping younger entrepreneurs, people who now inspire me, and that includes many of the people who work in the company, helping them succeed. So being an advisor to other companies that are perhaps at an earlier stage in their progress. And then finally, I've always been driven by the new and the possibilities. I think life is full of endless possibilities and endless new beginnings. And I love that feeling. And I'll continue to seek them out as long as I'm working. And I do have an idea percolating and not ready to share it with the world yet, inappropriate in the context of what I'm trying to do with Lisa. I've always got ideas. I always have. I'm always excited about the future. And just remind our listeners one more time where they can find a Lisa mattress, both online as well as in store. So today you can buy Lisa mattress at lisa.com. You can find them at all West Elm stores, both our Lisa mattress and our Lisa hybrid mattress. Uh, You can find them at many pottery barn stores. And I think if you watch this space over the course of time, you'll find them in other places too. But lisa.com is the first port of call where you'll find out about the company too. Terrific. Thank you again for uh, joining me today, David. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. 
This has been an episode of Brand on Purpose with Aaron Quickkin, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories of entrepreneurs and senior leaders who make it their brand's mission to do well by doing good. Special thanks to our amazing team, including the voice you never hear, producer extraordinaire Lindsay Hand, and the always on point associate producer Katrina Walkley, who touches every aspect of this podcast. Learn more about our show at brandonpurpose.com, follow our Instagram at the Bop Podcast, and learn more about our host at AaronQuicken.com. Yeah.